It's always good to gather together as our church family here in our Georgetown campus, our Liberty Hill campus in the gym venue. It's great to spend time together around God's Word. Last week, we began our series in the book of Joshua. And we talked about how the real challenge for each of us during this series will not be encountered when we walk into this building or we walk into the venue where we experience our church family listening to the Word of God together. Our real challenge will be when our church family leaves and heads into our community to live on mission. That's our real challenge every week, to leave this place as a church family and scatter into our land and live on mission for the glory of God, seeking to saturate our county and beyond with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, one of the tools that we've provided for you to encourage you to leave this place and keep in mind the mission for which God has called us as a church family to embark upon where we live is the section in your worship guide, the Go Deeper with the Sermon. Every week, members of our church family are compiling this piece of the worship guide so that each one of us could be encouraged to apply what God has said to our lives. And so I want to encourage you to make use of the Go Deeper section of the worship guide as you leave this place to live on mission. Last week, after we left our time together, Lindley had made a comment to me related to something she had been listening to, and she made the comment, no one will likely remember our names. Even our immediate family, our family members, in three to four generations. I was like, well, thanks for the encouragement. You got anything else besides that? And then she put it in the context of our Joshua series. The reason that each one of us needs to have a Joshua in our lives is not so that our name will be remembered in three or four generations, but so the name of Jesus Christ will be remembered generation after generation after generation. You see, Moses knew that he could not lead the people into the land. And so he poured his life into Joshua so that Joshua could lead the people into the land. The people would only be led into the land because Moses had a Joshua. If we are going to touch generation after generation in the land in which we live so that a wave of God's glory extends to the uttermost parts of the world. It will necessitate each one of us having a Joshua in our lives, someone we can pour our lives into so that they might lead others to find God and follow Him far beyond what we could do ourselves in our short lifetime. We need Joshua's in our life. 
How are you doing with that? Have you identified your Joshua? Have you identified someone in your life right now that needs your influence? We talked about your family. We talked about your church family. We talked about the community. I hope that you've spent time this week considering the Joshua's that God has put into your life and you've taken steps forward to influence someone to find God and follow Him. God has uniquely placed our church family right here, right now, so that we might believe in the plan of God to help people around us find God and follow Him. Today, in Joshua chapter 1, we are going to see the preparations that Joshua and the people began to make in order to take the land. I pray that we will be encouraged today to be prepared in our own lives for the call of God on our church family. So let's read Joshua 1 together. We're going to start by reading chapter 1 through verse 9, and then we'll pick up the rest as we go. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB. You'll see that noted in the Go Deeper with the Sermon section in the worship guide. And so I'm going to read out of that same version. I won't mention the fact that this particular Bible is a large print version of (laughs) the Bible. Not that that had anything to do with changing Bibles. All right. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I'm giving the Israelites. I've given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will be from the wilderness in Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates River, and all the land of the Hittites, and, and the west to the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers to give them as an inheritance. Above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night, so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. One of the really cool aspects of our family in the season we're in right now, we have two older children who are married and off doing their lives. And we have one younger son who is fixing to graduate from high school, go off to college. Occasionally, our youngest will be on the phone 
with his big sister or big brother. And as a parent, my tendency is to try to eavesdrop on those conversations. You ever been in that situation? You just kind of want to listen in on that conversation. And, and what I have experienced, what Lindley has experienced, is this amazing exchange between an older sibling and a younger sibling who are living separate lives but have this deep connection. And there's something marvelous that happens in those conversations. And I've, I have left those eavesdropping moments just moved at the significance of that exchange. This passage is God's invitation to each one of us to eavesdrop on one of the most significant conversations Joshua ever had with God. Think about Joshua's circumstance. Moses is dead, and all the people are looking to Joshua to lead them. What are we going to do now? If there was ever a moment that Joshua needed God to speak, this was the moment. And Joshua found God. And he listened to every word he said. The words that come from God to Joshua in this first chapter are filled with commands and with promises. And I want us just to listen in to the conversation as if we were given the opportunity to be right there and hear God speak to Joshua at this critical moment in Joshua's life. Listen to the commands that God speaks to Joshua. He says to, to Joshua, you and all the people, you prepare to cross over the Jordan. He says to Joshua, I want you to be strong and courageous. He says again in verse 7, be strong and very courageous, specifically to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Don't turn to the right or to the left so that you will have success wherever you go. Encourages then that the book of instruction should not depart from his mouth, but he should meditate on it every day and every night so to be careful to observe everything that's written in it. And then he says one final time, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Do you feel these commands issued to Joshua from the heart of God in just the way Joshua needs it? If you summarized what God has said to Joshua, God has said to Joshua, don't be afraid. Be strong and courageous and keep my law. Know it, review it, meditate on it, and keep every word of my law so that through following me you can lead the people to take the land. Now if we're listening in on the conversation, how should we respond to what we discover about God as we listen in? Well, we shouldn't 
we shouldn't be afraid. Because God has told us by way of this conversation with Joshua that we should be courageous and strong. When we think about what God has revealed about himself to Joshua and the commands that he gave to Joshua, Joshua knew clearly that the only way he could lead the people to take the land was by keeping the law and to be bold to believe that God would enable him to keep the law and to be courageous to study the law and to review the law and to lead the people to keep the law. He knew that keeping the law was essential to getting the land. And he knew that God wanted him to believe he could do it. He didn't need to be afraid. And we listen in on that and we hear what God is saying to Joshua, and we recognize that the only way Joshua could do what God was calling him to do was if Joshua kept the law. When we, when we hear that, I think we're reminded that God still demands law-keeping. God is holy. And he demands that his holiness be revered and respected. God in no less way demands law-keeping. There's no way to be who God has created you to be unless you keep the law. There is no way to have life both now and forever unless you keep the law. God is demanding law-keeping in the same way now that he demanded it from Joshua to lead the people into the land. But the problem is we are lawbreakers, right? The, the people, in order to go into the land, needed Joshua to keep the law in order to lead them into the land. The people, in order to go into the land and take the land, needed Joshua to help them keep the law so that they could experience exactly who God called them to be. Here we are, you and I, we are law breakers, but we know that God has created us for a purpose, both now and forever, that we long for and we desire, and yet we know that there is a problem with attaining that purpose both now and forever because of our law breaking. I really love that listening in on this conversation between God and Joshua reminds me of Jesus Christ. Because as a lawbreaker, I need Jesus Christ, who is the law keeper, who gave his life on the cross for my law breaking, to remind me that the only way I can experience the life I was created to experience both now and forever is if I fully trust in Jesus Christ to lead me into my eternity by way of His law-keeping, not mine. So through faith in Jesus Christ, I have found the law-keeper who helps me live under the blessings of His law-keeping so that I don't have to be afraid 
Like when I leave this place today and I go into my world around people who don't know God, I don't have to be afraid to invite them to find God and follow Him. I don't have to be afraid about what they might say about me and my past failures. I don't have to be afraid of whether or not they will say, I'm not good enough to follow God. I don't have to be afraid how they might reject what they think God is. You know what I get to do? I get to tell them about the law keeper, Jesus Christ, who paid the penalty of every law breaking. And it's under the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ that I enjoy the favor of God that is only reserved for his son, Jesus Christ. I get to experience the life I was created to experience both now and forever because of the grace of God experienced through Jesus Christ. And I don't have to be afraid to tell anybody about that because it's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ, the law keeper. I can be strong and courageous. Do you feel that the command of God to go and help somebody else find him and follow him is a command that should bring about in us great courage, not because we've done it all, but because we found the one who's done it all for us. I'm so encouraged by that, and we hadn't even got to the good stuff. I mean, think about the promises here that God communicates to Joshua. He says to Joshua in verse 3, I've given you every place where the sole of your foot treads. Your territory will be huge. Verse 5, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. Look at verse 9. Haven't I commanded you to be stronger? Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Do you feel these promises? I made a land for you, and you're going to get it because I'm with you. I'm with you just the same way you saw that I was with Moses. I'm with you. Everything that I intend for you to experience, you can experience because I am the God who promised this to you, and I am the God who is with you, who will give you all that I've promised to give you. Unbelievable promises. If you were to summarize all the promises that God is making to Joshua, God is telling Joshua, hey, I want you to know and never forget that I'm the one who's with you. And because I'm with you, everything I've promised you, you can experience. I'm with you. Doesn't that sound very familiar? Do you know what Jesus Christ has said to each one of us who has placed our trust in Him as Lord and Savior? In the New Testament, Jesus Christ just fills the pages with promises one after another that He has secured by His death and resurrection for every single one of us who places our trust in Him. And the most important promise of all that he has given to us is the same promise he gave to Joshua. I am with you. 
Jesus' final words to his disciples in Matthew chapter 28. He says, I am with you. Jesus tells his followers, I will not forsake you. I will not leave you. I am with you. So that he might know that his presence with us is reason to believe everything that he has promised us. And that we actually can experience the life we are created to live. Both now and forever. And the remarkable thing is that when Jesus Christ says he's with us. What he's saying to us is that he has sent his Holy Spirit to be with us so that each one of us who's decided to follow him might have God in the Spirit with us every moment of our lives. So what we have in God's promise to be with us is far more significant than what Joshua had. Jesus goes so far to tell his disciples, it's better for you and for everybody after you that I ascend to be with the Father and I send my spirit to be with you so that every single one of you has my presence with you. So you are never alone and you can always trust what I call you to do because when I'm with you, you can do it. You can do it. How does it feel to have eavesdropped a little on the conversation between God and Joshua. You know what I find myself doing when I eavesdrop on a conversation between my kids? I find myself going and telling Lindley, you're never going to believe what I just heard. I find myself wanting to call that older sibling and say, you'll never know how significant it is that you took the time to say what you said. I find myself wanting to go to that younger sibling saying, hey, how come I've been saying that for years and years and it doesn't impact you the same way it does when your big brother, big sister say? You know what I'm saying? So, so when you eavesdrop in on a significant conversation, oftentimes makes you want to have a conversation. You, you know why God has preserved this conversation between he and Joshua? So that as each one of us listen in on that conversation, we would want to go and have a conversation ourselves with the same God who promises he's with us in an even better way than he is with Joshua. You know, there's nothing wrong with Joshua standing before the people and saying, we're going to go take the land based upon the experiences that had happened in the wilderness, both with Moses and with Joshua. Nothing wrong with that. That's significant. If Joshua would have stood in front of the people and said, let's go take the land based on all that stuff that had already happened, it would have been amazing. But there's something really special about the fact that Joshua was able to stand before the people on the winds of fresh faith, having heard the voice of God. Have you heard the voice of God lately? If we're going to be prepared to take the land as a church family, we'll stand before our people a whole lot better if we have some fresh faith from having heard the Lord speak to us. Don't mistake the fact that God has allowed you to eavesdrop on this conversation between he and Joshua because he intends this conversation between he and Joshua to really be a conversation between you 
and the Lord. He's speaking so that we can leave here today with fresh faith and be prepared to follow him. There's some other things that we see in chapter 1 that prepare the people to take the land. Look at verse 10. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get provisions ready for yourselves. Within three days, you will be crossing the Jordan to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God has given you to inherit. Joshua gathers the leaders and says, I want you to hear what God is saying to me. And I want you to go and tell the people what God is saying to us so that we are all getting ready to go. Can you imagine how that conversation went between Joshua and the leaders? They're asking questions. They're wanting to know what to do. He's telling them what to do and how to go tell everybody and what to say. And then he just sends the leaders out to go and tell the people. You can see these leaders gathering groups of people and saying, this is what the Lord has said to Joshua. You need to get ready. Implying every leader going out and saying what needs to be said to the people is an implication of the leader's decision to follow God. See, Joshua, he heard the Lord speak, and the first thing he did is he goes to the leaders and says, we're going. He's communicating, I've decided, I'm going to follow the Lord. I've heard him speak, and I'm ready to follow him. And he tells the leaders, you go tell the people, we're going to follow him. The leaders go out there and they say the same things, implying we've decided to follow God. Can you imagine the conversation around the different campsites, around the people as they're preparing to go, how everybody's talking about the fact that, hey, Joshua's heard the Lord and we're going to follow him and I've decided to follow him. I'm, I'm nervous about it, but we're going to follow the Lord because he is with us and he's with Joshua just like he was with Moses. We can follow the Lord. Can you just imagine the trickling down of the conversations of we've heard the Lord? And we will follow him. In order to be prepared to take the land, we all need to be hearing the Lord. And as we decide to follow the Lord, we need to be telling other people about our decision to follow the Lord. This last week, I gathered a small group of our church family together to brainstorm and plan strategically on how to convey to the leaders of our church God's plan for our church family in the foreseeable future. And we spent an hour together just talking about what we were going to do and how we we're going to do it. We're going to get back together a couple times over the next month and we're going to make a strategic plan to begin sharing more and more and listening and answering questions and having conversations around where God is leading us as a church family. It was so cool to sit around and just talk about, hey, this is going to be exciting. We get to share with all the, the leaders of our church family who are going to share with all of our church family so that everybody understands what God is doing and everybody can say, we're hearing what the Lord is saying and we're ready to follow Him. We're just going to follow this model right here. We're just going to talk about what the Lord is doing and allow everyone the opportunity to find God and decide to follow Him and then tell people about it. It gets really exciting when everybody around you is saying, I'm so excited about what God's doing in my life, I will follow him anywhere. You, you, you know when people start inviting people to come to church? When everybody they know is talking about how they are following Jesus Christ like never before. 
if we're going to be prepared to take the land, we've got to begin telling more and more people around us how God is speaking to us and how we're deciding to follow him. You know, we have this response thing at the end of every service. Do you know that that is a key component of corporate worship? Public response? Public response is not to highlight an individual. Public response is to highlight God's work in a person so that the rest of the body might be encouraged to let God work in his or her life. I'm, I'm so about public decisions and responses to the Lord so that we all can be challenged to respond to the Lord and be encouraged that somebody else is following the Lord. Sometimes I get the impression on Sunday mornings that people aren't coming down to say something publicly about how they're responding to the Lord because they just don't know where that fits into the life of the church. I just want to tell you, part of the reason we gather corporately is so that when God moves in your life individually, you might make that known at some public level, whether it's the people around you, whether it's our whole church family, so that everybody's encouraged by hearing you say, I am following the Lord. Some of the more significant moments in my life have come because somebody else decided to voice publicly their decision to follow the Lord. Do you follow me? This is supposed to be an exciting time of rejoicing. So think about how you can begin talking to more and more people about how you personally are following the Lord. All right, look, let's keep reading here. Verse 12, Joshua said to the Reubenites and the Gadites, half the tribe of Manasseh, remember what Moses, the Lord's servant, commanded you when he said, the Lord, your God, will give you rest and he will give you this land. Your wives dependents and livestock may remain in the land Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. But your best soldiers must cross over in battle formation ahead of your brothers and help them until the Lord gives your brothers rest as he has given you. And they too possess the land the Lord your God is giving them. You may then return to the land of your inheritance and take possession of what Moses and the Lord's servant gave you on the east side of the Jordan. They answered Joshua, everything you have commanded, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. We will obey you just as we obeyed Moses in everything. Certainly the Lord your God will be with you as he was with Moses. Anyone who rebels against your order and does not obey your words and all that you command him will be put to death. Above all, be strong and courageous. So Joshua sends out the leaders of the people. And the leaders of the people go to nine and a half tribes of Israel and communicates to them, get ready to go in and take the land. Now, when the leaders communicate to the nine and a half tribes of Israel headed into the new land, he's communicating to them, get all your stuff together, everything you own, your families, your kids, your livestock, get everything together because we're all going over into the new land in which we will live. And so they're being told, get everything ready to go into the land. So they're taking everything they have and their whole family, and they're going into the new land in which they will live. So that's the preparation that the nine and a half tribes are making. Joshua takes this two and a half tribes group and gives them special instructions because 
along the way towards the new land, these two and a half tribes asked for land to be allotted to them on the east side of the Jordan. God said, that's great, this is your land, but here's the thing. You've got to go and fight for the land of your brothers and your sisters. They agreed to it, and Joshua was reminding them what they agreed to. And so this group, in order to be prepared, they're preparing to leave behind their, their wives and their children and their belonging in their new land, trusting that God will protect their homes while they go out to the front of the battle lines and lead the way on behalf of their brothers and sisters that they might get a land. Joshua is asking that the whole nation be prepared to leverage everything they have, even their own lives, to take the land for generations to come. Back in 2017, we had this opportunity come our way as a church family. There are a lot of details surrounding the opportunity. I want to focus in just a couple of observations. We had the opportunity to plant a campus in Liberty Hill. And what that meant was that most of us would stay right here in our land where we live and leverage our resources and our prayers towards that campus being planted. But there were some of us at the Georgetown campus who decided to give a portion of their lives, time-wise, resource-wise, energy-wise, to go into Liberty Hill and to give their lives on the forefront of those battle lines to establish a place in a new part of our land so that in Liberty Hill we might have a campus that is playing a part in the spread of the gospel. And our whole church decided this is what God's calling us to do. And here we are two years later and we have an established campus in Liberty Hill in a building where they can meet every day of the week if they want to. And they are making a difference, reaching people so that they might find God and follow him right there in Liberty Hill. Shout out to Liberty Hill. Yeah. Awesome. So I want you to keep praying for more opportunities to do that again and again and again. Keep asking the Lord, Lord, would you enable us to plant churches and campuses, create networks of churches all across this county so that we might play our part in taking the land, saturating Williamson County, this region, with the gospel of Jesus Christ, so that a wave of his glory reaches the uttermost parts of the world. When Joshua communicated to the two and a half tribes, their response, think about what they're asked to do. I want you to leave the land you've been given. I want you to leave your families 
And I want you to go to the front of the lines and fight for somebody else's land. Their response was, whatever you command us, we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. And we will take this decision to leverage our lives so seriously that we will expect the same decision in following you from everybody else around us. We will do it, we will go, and we will hold high the standard of leveraging our very lives to take the land. Back in the early to mid-1980s, there was a group of people who gathered together to pray and to plan and dream and seek the Lord and his plans for their church family. I don't know who would take credit for the beginnings of the conversation. I suspect that nobody would really take credit because they would all know that God was stirring each one of them to believe that God had a plan to think and dream beyond the walls of their current location. And they believed that God was calling them to plant a second campus out west of town. Because God was calling them to be one church in more than one location. And they made a decision to leverage their lives and sacrifice in order to create a new campus for this church family. So that more people in this land could be reached for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because of that great sacrifice and tremendous effort and boldness to follow Jesus Christ, that new location for them is our current location right here. You know what that means to me? Our new FBG vision is not really all that new at all. If you think about the last 150 years plus of FBG's life in this area, you can come up with a number of significant churches seeking to help people find God and follow Him in this area that exist today because of God's work in and through FBG over the last 150 years. Why wouldn't we believe that God wants to do that again and again and again so that in our lifetime we can see his work that will outlast all of us by many generations? I mean, what kind of story do you want to be a part of? I suspect that all of us really want to be a part of a story that is a story worth retelling. A story of God's amazing and incredible, gracious work in a people for His glory that far surpassed anything they ever could have accomplished just because they got fired up about a vision. Haven't you seen churches who have well-articulated visions that end up on a wall and that's as far as they go? I don't want to be a part of that kind of story. I want to be a part of a church family that's full of people who have Joshua's in their life. They're pouring their lives into them. I want to be a part of a church family that believes we can touch a region for the glory of Christ 
well beyond our lifetimes that could ripple into the uttermost parts of the world. I want to be a part of a church that believes God has called us to plant campuses and plant churches and create networks to absolutely saturate a land for the cause of Christ. I want to be a part of that kind of story. Don't you? Not because our names will be retold. No, because we want the name of Jesus Christ to be told again and again for generation after generation as long as the Lord tarries for His glory in this land where He's placed us right now, right here. Wherever He commands Whatever he commands, will you do it? Wherever he sends you, will you go? If we're going to be prepared to take our land, we need to make decisions today. Whatever he commands, we will do. Wherever he sends, we will go. We believe that God is with us. And so we will courageously go and help others to find God and follow him.